John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. accessed entry 603.RV0511, certificate number 39095. How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? I'm going to say six. How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Six. Five. can dance on the head of a pin? I'm going to say six. Final answer. No. Angels are any size they want to be because they're magic, and so there could be a million billion. All right. Well, I guess we know that's the answer. Or there could be one big angel. Already, an angel has to be small just to dance by itself on the head of a pin. All right. We did it. And that concludes (laughs) how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? I'm not... I'm not some college freshman. I'm a college sophomore. So you're saying it depends on the size of the angels. Are they plus-sized angels? Are they willowy uh, 70s angels, Charlie's angels, if you will? (laughs) How many Charlie's angels can dance on the head of a pin? Are they doing that pose? How big is the pin? It seems like if they're doing that like gun or or kung fu pose, they need a a little room. With Kate in the middle, like doing her library book, her Dewey Decimal System card catalog thing. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even remember what her silhouette is doing. Thinking. Uh, maybe it had a, a magnifying glass. That seems like something it would be easy to research. Yeah, I'm sure she's wearing a deerstalker hat and holding a <laughs> magnifying glass. I'm not even going to look. So you're saying it, it also, uh, you've also mentioned it depends on the size of a pin, yeah, right. which is an interesting take. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't think, I don't think Aquinas ever considered that. <laughs> well, so when you hear this question, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Like, how do you, how do you understand that question? What is the it's rhetorical he, purpose of that? Yeah, it feels like it is, uh, it's... In a, in a way, kind of a, like a mocking question to suggest that philosophy itself is, um, is sort of a dead-end Ouroboros, a, a, a tail-chasing. A, um, a dumb, meaningless thing full of dumb, meaningless questions. Yeah, you just, I mean, any, 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 at a certain point, any theorizing just becomes a, a, um, an exercise in futility. Yeah, I think the uh, I think that's how it's used today. You know, it's it's to suggest some kind of question that's so esoteric, detailed, and abstruse to be uninteresting. And yeah, and even unanswerable. I think sometimes it's a critique of the kind of of religion, the kinds of questions. Are you looking at a profile? Your eyes just lit up. Yeah. Are you looking <clears throat> at the Charlie's Angels profile? I am. They're they're in they're in silhouette. There's a there's a big flaming explosion behind them. 
I think it is. I think Farah maybe is karate chopping. I can see that. And um, and then uh, Jacqueline Smith is maybe shooting. And Kate Jackson is very, very actively, aggressively talking on a very large walkie-talkie. Oh, she is. So she has no. She's she's not combating. She's she's strategic. She's doing CB radio slang. Yeah, that's right. She wants to know somebody's <laughs> twenty. <laughs> Which I think is pretty great, you know, like that we knew already that she was not going to have a weapon just by by her nature. She was still my favorite. She was my favorite. Because she too. was Mrs. King. Did they... Uh, That's not why she was my favorite. No, she was my favorite before she was Mrs. King. Uh, I loved her on The Rookies. That that's pre Charlie's Angels. <clears throat> did they uh, did they change out the silhouette when they changed out the cast, or did they just make sure they hired hmm. replacements? Like who replaced Farah? Tanya Roberts? No, uh, Cheryl Ladd. They must. Did they just replace? Make sure that she had feathery hair, so she looked like the silhouette. They must have replaced the silhouettes, but I don't. But I don't see them, and I'm not prepared to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I think you wouldn't have to replace the silhouette. You How just, is Cheryl Ladd's hair different from Farrah Fawcett's exactly. hair? Exactly. I could write a 20-page dissertation. How is this feathered hair different from all other feathered hairs? <laughs> well, speaking of unanswerable questions. Uh, I think that's how how many angels can dance on the head of a pin gets used rhetorically today. Right. It's a it's a critique of of dumb uh, kind of dead end reasoning, as you say, or of religion, which asks esoteric questions, esoteric possibly meaningless questions, or maybe the overlap of both. Uh, it, this originated as a critique of scholasticism, which was the medieval philosophy of using the classical tools of thought and reason. Uh, to interrogate religion. Um, Horror. So that, yeah. So if, <laughs> if scriptural truths are not good enough for you, what if you used Aristotelian logic on them to prove all kinds of crazy things? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, if you think about what people knew a lot of, a lot about in the Middle Ages, biblical knowledge would have been a huge, a huge chunk. Like if there was Trivial Pursuit back then, it would have all, it would have all been. Uh, how be it that Samson found the donkey head? Uh, Are you kidding me? Uh, notwithstanding that's, the honey, that's got to be eighty percent of what people <laughs> talked about. And 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 if you were an educated person, you knew something of the Greeks, and that would be about it, right? Or or Virgil, I mean, right? You would you'd know, unless there were trivia games about when to plant sorghum versus millet, or you know, practical knowledge. I don't even think they had that technology yet. How to they, shoe a horse? They just they just planted sorghum and millet willy-nilly. They just dumped it anywhere. <laughs> That's why there were famines. <laughs> hey, there's sorghum coming up here. That's where we planted the sorghum. <laughs> Unless it's millet, I can't really tell. Uh, yeah, so because that was what the body of knowledge was, if you were an educated person who wanted to train your, your uh, you know, keen knowledge of Aristotle on, or Plato, on something that seemed important to you, these would have been the highest philosophical truths. How, what is God like? How do we get to heaven? What and where is heaven? But uh, but also, wouldn't asking those questions be heresy? Uh, not if you got the right answers, I guess. <laughs> okay. I mean, in a lot of cases, you're, you know, you're exploring outward. You're like, given these uh, pronouncements we know from the Holy Church and or from the Bible, what can we deduce about... Thomas Aquinas, the great uh, scholastic philosopher, scholasticist, scholasticalist. Let's call it, let's call it scholasticist. Scholast- I'm never going to be able to pronounce any of these words. Scholastic my, book fair. My my uh, my geographic tongue is going to is going to wander out of the room. Scholasticist sounds too much. Like, it sounds like Afghanistani. I think scholasticist. I, I like it. 
I had a scholasticist, but the doctor punctured it. No, I saw that from a mile away. No bell. <laughs> for you. Uh, in his work, Summa Theologica, Theologia? Are we going to say Aquinas or a... Uh, I always said Aquinas, but I got in trouble for saying Synod instead of Synod. Yeah. Should I say Aquinas? No, I think it was... Yeah, I've always... Aquinas, I've heard, uh, I've heard pronounced a couple of different ways, and I can't get my mouth around it. So let's just call it Thomas Aquinas. You want to say Sir Tom? So, <laughs> Aquinas. Let's make. Let's really get like Midwestern on it. It's coming up in years. Aquinas. You've got Aquinas in your sinus <laughs> when you say it like that. Uh, you know, he wrote a book called Summa Theologia, which really means the sum of all theology. This is it. Right. I've, I've got it all figured out. This is your one-stop shopping source for knowledge about God. And uh, he spent so much of that particular book on angels that he's sometimes called the angelic doctor. Uh which sounds like he was a nice guy, or maybe it sounds like a 1970s ABA player. It sounds to me like he's a, uh, like a Nazi Holocaust doctor. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I was going to say maybe he could just get you whatever pills you want if you're some kind of oh, La- Laurel right. Canyon <laughs> he's, musician. Uh, he's on tour with the Rolling Stones. <laughs> but no, you're right. It does sound kind of... But no, Angelic Doctor referred not only to his, I think, cherubic manner, but also the fact that he just wrote tens of thousands of words about... Uh, angels. What does the Bible say about angels? Well, he's trying to reconcile a lot of different threads in the Bible about angels. Sometimes in the Bible, angels are like just guys that show up, especially in Genesis. They're just guys that show up and sometimes they'll want a place to stay and you better not rape them. That's the story of Abraham uh-huh. and Lot. Sure. Like that's a pretty low bar for, for Airbnb. Sure. Uh, or they want to rest. They just show up at your campsite. and want to wrestle with you. That's what happened to Jacob. So are they, are, is God sending them down to test? Is that, is that their primary, uh, Function. Sometimes they are messengers. Um, right. Sometimes you just see angels, and angels are mentioned, and they're just in heaven. There's just thousands upon thousands of concourses of angels <laughs> so, in some other place praising God. Right. And this is their function in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. But how does that have to do with the, the guys bumbling around in, in Genesis? The ones up in heaven are going up and down escalators, and they're in a giant sort of galleria <laughs> right, of da- heaven. Right. It looks like the <laughs> it looks like the grove. And then right, and then down. Down on Earth, there are these hobo angels who are who are, you know, staying in mangers and stuff. Those are maybe the new the new guys that got the bad posting. Oh right. You need you guys need to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and just pray that nothing bad happens to you. We'll just we'll be up on the escalators. We're no. gonna, we're gonna go to um. I bet you Abercrombie the, and Fitch. I bet you the angels down below are like uh, are like Sean Connery in The Untouchables. They're they're. They're like the old angels that know the ropes, but they keep getting busted back down to, to Earth Private. Give me, your, give me your halo and your badge. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Uriel, you're going undercover. And they're always, they always, they're always getting sent to you know, a very small slice of, of uh, the Middle East for some reason. Right. Well, that's where the chosen people are. Mm-hmm. The rest uncho- remain unchosen. Angel free. Uh, no wrestling at all. And sometimes I think uh, this is maybe only suggested biblically, but I think it's it's a very strong thread of Catholic thought is that there are guardian angels as well. Right. You know, and that informs a lot of our modern thinking about angels, that they are, you know, out there in the world, there are these silent forces for good, just comforting and up- uplifting us. I'm, I'm going to throw some big old air quotes around modern angels, but yeah, let's... Are, uh, like, <laughs> I'm going back to the 90s and Roma Downey. <laughs> But if you go into a Hallmark store today, <coughs> oh, I th- believe you me, I think that will be the dominant thread of angel thinking. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And there, and and I, I guess I do not include that kind of angel thinking in like the in 
in the history of theology, but I should, because of course- That's where we ended that's up. Where we, that's where we got after all this time. So Aquinas has a tricky task of trying to reconcile all, you know, what he knows about, and, and uh, he, he does it in a kind of a cl- classical logical fashion. He will give a proposition and then he'll say, as I've proved above, uh, God's heaven is a place with no space and all space. Therefore- right. Angels, you know, if they cross from point to point, they do not pass through all intermediate points. Like, that's the kind of thing— He begs the question. He's studying, right? Well, he feels he's proved the original thing. Right. You just have to read back at the beginning where he used scriptural truths to prove this thing about God. Therefore, we can say it about angels as this, well. This feels a little bit like debating somebody in an airport. <laughs> in in what way? I mean, you remember in the 1980s and early 90s, oh, there like were a, a, uh, a lot of right. proselytizers out right, there yes. that that wanted to engage with college backpackers like me about um, you know having proved having proved that that God is like all loving. Um, I need to stop smoking pot. Is basically what it always came down to. I'm very jealous when I see the Jehovah's Witnesses standing near any tourist attraction with their kind of uh, their signboard, their sandwich board. You mean because they always get front row seats at everything? <laughs> no, because unlike Mormon missionaries, they appear to not have to talk to anyone. When mm. I was a young Mormon missionary, we were supposed to just go uh, chat with people. Hey, um, what's up, ma'am? Uh, hey. How's your day going? Uh, as you as you might guess, I'm about to ask you about religion. <laughs> have you have you seen the little uh-uh. the little? Uh, well, you know, you wear a little uh, a badge on your. Oh, I thought that was a pocket. pocket protector. It's also a pocket protector. It. It, it, it's like, we're like MacGyver. What does the badge say? Oh, it just says your name and it says the name of the, it says the Church of Jesus Christ of oh, Latter-day Saints. I see. So, you know, you can't stealth uh, chat up anybody. Well, the, the short sleeve button down shirt. <laughs> right. And the crew cut, <laughs> the, I think the IBM slash CIA look from uh, <laughs> 1962 that I'm, I'm still chasing today. But why do Jehovah's Witnesses get to just stand there with a, with a, who's ever going to walk up to them and talk? I think they're waiting. Those, those would be the chosen. You know, uh, if somebody comes up to them and says, uh, tell me what the biblical truth is about, uh, about my family or about the end of the world or about right. uh, you know, living a good life, then they're all ready to go because they have these Aquinas-like, well, first I need to show you Deuteronomy, but then check it out. So we're, we're going to go to Ephesians. If they want you, you will self-select. The rest of the people walking around them are just sort of like invisible ghosts to them. Well, I think they're just doing their time. They're supposed to get a certain number of volunteer hours in. They're dressed and- great. Yeah, they always kind of look um, respectable in a slightly old-fashioned way, yeah. floor-length skirts. Yeah. The men are sometimes old with hats. You heard that Prince used to go door-to-door. Yeah, as in, he, he would have intensely devotional periods, and he would do the time. Yeah. Can you imagine? So, I, I have. I've thought about it a lot. There's some old white guy knocking at your door. You're in Bloomington, Minneapolis, you know, Minnesota, someplace on the outskirts of, you're living near Mall of America, and uh, some old white guy with a hat opens the door, and there's a little short guy behind him. You don't, you don't get a good look at him. Uh, but uh, so, he, so those are the kinds of, so he, Aquinas uh, is very interested in very specific things about angels, whether the angels exercise functions of life in the bodies assumed, you know? So, so after right. asking, do they have corporeal bodies? He's saying, do they poop? Yes, exactly. Do they eat? Do they poop? Do they sleep? And his answer is... Everybody poops. And then there will be, after each question, there will be, yeah, the book tells us. <laughs> it's right there. It's not called it's everybody right the except, except the seraphim poop. De- Deuteronomy 7.29. Are you thinking that only the Sean Connery style busted down to private angels poop? <laughs> Where would you poop on an escalator? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it would uh, heaven would be raining poop. Do they have, uh, you know, there are questions it's like... Got a trigger alert to anybody listening who's like, don't talk about poop. I'm listening to this podcast while I'm eating a... Uh, chicken fried steak. 
Yeah, is there some dumb Kevin in heaven? And that's why we get the the ice chunks that we think are from airplanes. Hmm. It's really angel pee. Hmm. Uh, so Aquinas will ask, you know, do the angels have corporeal bodies? And then there will be a list of kind of objections to his findings and then replies to the objections. I mean, it's exactly the kind of sophistry you'd, uh-huh. you'd expect a metaphorical <laughs> flourish like angels dancing on the head of a pin to come from. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Did, did Aquinas focus his research on angels because he had done such an exhaustive survey of every other topic in the Bible that this was like – the sort of last mop up of uh, of ideas <laughs> he had it. to do. I called it Summa. So, or did he do it because this was the the part of his work that was really popular that had like a that people were actually interested in? Like, tell me more about the angels. Well, I think he thought it was an important quandary because it's a mystery, right? Like, uh, you know, the, the the scripture is pretty clear on what. God is like, right? and scripture is pretty clear on what a good person is like, but then angels are in this kind of sketchy middle ground well, and by where 12, they're, neither God, they're neither deity nor man. By 1250, probably devout Catholics would have realized that God was no longer setting fire to as many bushes as he used to. Right. So, right? so we need the, the, the power, the keen light of our reason to, to elucidate his will. That, but also there could be angels, Walking around where God isn't appearing and, and performing miracles. Loaves are not, uh, you know, like there's not, um, there's not that much like God and Jesus action, but there could be angel action happening all around us. That's kind of the beginning of the whole touched by an angel. They're out there doing, you know, random and occasionally miraculous acts of good. And if you don't see them, it's just because being under the radar is important to their mission. So it's comforting. That you know the little miracles are still happening out there. Undercover angel, but his uh, his questions about angels do not appear to be devotional. Like they appear to be very philosophical. There, oh. you know, here's one about how many angels there are. That that seems relevant to, okay. to how many you could put on a pin. Uh, it, one of his objections is it would seem that the angels are not in great numbers, for number is a species of quantity and follows the division of a continuous body. I think we can all agree, right, less, sure. less versus fewer. Sure. No, but no this cannot there. be in the angels, since they are incorporeal, as was shown above in Article 1. Oh, they don't poop. He's already, well, the first thing he proves is, do they have bodies? Answer, sometimes. Right. When they're down here wrestling Jacob, yes. When they're up praising God, no. So they can come and go. Yes. And then he says, do, when they're alive, are they, does that mean they're alive? No. Like, just because they have corporeality does not mean they have life in a human sense, circulation and whatnot. Therefore, the angels cannot exist in any great number. And then his reply to that is, to this objection, like, how can there be angels if you can't differentiate them because they're not, a, they're not corporeal beings? He says, in the angels, number is not that of discrete quantity brought about by division of what is continuous, but that which is caused by distinction of forms, according as multitude is reckoned among the transcendentals, as was said above. Aha. Uh-huh. So I don't. He keeps referring up, uh, up, uh, like earlier in his own document. And presumably, you've read all thousand pages. Yeah, that seems that's a kind of a lame footnote. See my earlier, see my earlier work. That's that's like when you're in a conversation and you're like, as I said on Instagram earlier today. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. 
Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. Well, uh, so now... Um, so, so he kind of implies that even counting them would be misguided because the number of the angels is not uh, a bunch of, dis- is not a bunch of discrete quantities, but um, a bunch of different forms in some vaguer transcendental way. When they manifest, they're not inhabiting a pre-existing body. They are creating a body like a golem out of clay. I believe so. Yes. The angels are not possessing right. people. And so he is saying that angels are a quality. They are a, uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're coming from a, from a, a cloud. Of- they're, they're like a, uh, what would you say? Uh, An ort cloud. <laughs> they 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 come. They're down. a concept. They're conceptual. Right. You know, angels are no more uh, corporeal than joy. But they they coalesce as needed. Yes. So uh, so an angel can have a seri- a set of traits, but it's not unique to it, because then it becomes diffuse again, and those traits then become available to other angels exactly so you can there's be, a big cloud of angelness right angelness angelicity why the hell get me hallmark on the phone <laughs> we've got to we've got to change all these greeting cards the new angelicity line from ken and john <laughs> so and relevant to the pin question he also asks if there can be two angels in the same place I don't know why this is. See, again, it doesn't seem to have much devotional importance. Right. It's hard to think of what part of your worship or relationship with God this would affect. But this is. But he wants to train his mind on these things. Well, and also the supernatural. I mean, we're coming out of a. We're coming out of 50,000 years of animism, and Catholicism is, is trying to work with people. This is even. This is before the discovery of the new world, but they're still. They're still trying to convert the Estonians to their way of thinking. And a lot of it has to appeal to a belief like preexisting tendency to think of the supernatural as real. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you have to make that appeal. You have to talk about it as though, as though this book should have a sincere explanation. You know, we see it all the time when people are like, how could the earth be made in seven days? And it's like a, it's a question that they expect you're, they're like, gotcha. Uh, you know, and I, I imagine Aquinas is also, is also trying to make this argument to people in a bar who are like, well, if an angel is, if two angels. He's like, yeah, he, I think a lot of it is. Yeah. If, if you really train the keen mind upon it, religion is just as valuable right. to the educated thinking man. The Bible is as a scientific is to anyone book. Else. Right, because this is starting to be the age of that. And right. scholasticism is kind of, in a lot of ways, the beginning of, of the Enlightenment. Uh, the, you know, uh, and uh, Let's not talk about the Enlightenment on this program. We'll save that for later. Do you prefer not to even mention it? 
anymore. What value does it have? Was it a dark time for you? <laughs> it was for a long, oh, I see. For a long time, I worshipped at that temple, and now I get yelled at. It was false hope. I see. It was like the summer of love. The Enlightenment was nice, but then Altamont. I don't know what the Altamont of the Enlightenment is. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and if you if you hang out in any religious community today, you see this same tension where some people really want there to be a systematized way in which religion explains everything about life. Right. And that's the appeal of it to them. You know, God wants us to do this and this and this. Uh, these following things are halal. These are the times when the Sabbath starts. Right. These are the things that are going to happen in this order when Jesus comes. So stand by. Like everyone like some people like the system. And how do they account for the sort of literary theory aspect of religion where even their I mean, most priests are like, well, this is sort of an allegory well, for... I mean, I th- I prefer that strain of religion where, yeah. um, you know, it makes me uncomfortable when things are actually too specific or physical. And maybe that's because they start to appear falsifiable, right? right? When you've got these evangelical guys at, at, at phony baloney universities trying to do double-blind tests of, of uh, intercessory prayer, for example... Uh-huh. Or, you know, can you heal through prayer? Let's it, uh, let's have everyone listening in the future and the past pray for me right now. Do you want to see if prayer can intercede through time? I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sit here for a second. And see if you feel any different. This should work. Pray for me. Everybody pray for John. Argentina. Are you getting mm, anything? I'm feeling, I mean, I feel pretty lighthearted. I mean, uh, it didn't hurt. I don't know. I don't feel like so, I, that's the that's the thing about prayer. <laughs> prayer, it can't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Uh, it. Uh, I don't feel like all of my burdens lifted, but I do feel somewhat. I feel a little bit more cheerful. It Thanks. Thanks, Futurelink. You think it was them? It could have just been the moment of mindfulness. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Hard to say. We'll never know. Well, that's my point. Like when people actually try to test this stuff, I think to myself, surely God would not manifest His will in such a way that. Uh, it could be proven by whoa, science because whoa. because that would negate fa- the power of faith. Right. That like, is the argument that drives me up the wall. Like, therefore, God would never allow his hand to be seen in any kind of falsifiable way. So what is even the point of this kind of systematization and, you know, logical proving of religion? What happened to good old-fashioned awe yeah, and wonder and awe? allegory? God is over there giving little kids leukemia to test their parents' faith. But he's also over here doing uh, something amazing, and that's just the mind-blowing Whoa. majesty of God. That is. It's pretty majestic. We can't get your really, mind around when you that. think about it. He's so, waving his tentacles, clacking his mandibles. But the uh, but we think about angels dancing on the head of a pin not as an authentic uh, Aquinian, Aquinian argument. Right. Aquinesian? It's, it, I, don't, I don't actually know what the adjective is. <laughs> I think... <laughs> that uh, sounds like a kind of water, mineral water. Well, yeah. So this is... Is it... Is it Aquinian or Aquinian? Let's say Aquinian. If we're going to say Aquinas. Aquinasian? Uh, that seems like you're kind of a, a multiracial. St. Tomasian? I'm Aquinasian. Yeah. Tomian. Maybe it is Tomian. Uh, I don't know. This is Tomian. A, this is longer on the show than we probably should have spent on this. So he never specifically asks so this question. This question is a some, somewhat of a mockery of him. Yeah. Or... It's, I mean, it's a stand-in for an important question. If angels are not corporeal, then... I guess an infinite number of them could congregate on the head of a pin. Right. It's a, it's it could a, be a, a Hobart's hotel. It could be a focus for a cloud of angelness. Yes. Hilbert hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a Hilbert hotel for angels. 
uh, that keep showing up on the head of a pin, and the other angel has to move down to the next room. But if they are corporeal, then I guess it would be just one, and his his feet would be pointy because they're they're usually barefoot in pictures. Oh, I see. Like you don't want to stand on the. Well, I guess it's the head. It's not the point of a pin. But that's the thing. This particular question has evolved over time, and originally it was the point of a pin. The point of a pin. Uh, the f- here's here's an here's an early. Uh, you think that would be fewer angels? Well, yeah, it's much smaller. I mean, I could see my, when I picture myself standing on the head of a pin with a bunch of other angels, and it feels like, all right, you guys, like move over here. I am. But the point of a pin, like on the head, you'd have to jostle a bit. But yeah. the point, I'm not even. I'm going to wait for the next pin. Yeah, I mean, even if you electron microscope the point of a pin and it becomes a big flat raggedy, like Mount Ararat. Well, that appears to be the function of the uh, point of the pin. Like, it's if you want to suggest an infinitely small point to a to a you know a pre-Cantorian audience, maybe you would say the head of a pin, or the sorry, the point, point of, of a, a pin, because right. it, it reduces to nothingness. So you're essentially asking on an infinitely small point, could you fit an angel? Could you fit a bajillion angels? Uh, and when this was used in the 17th century, it was by Protestants as a way to bash the weird physicality and specificity of Catholic dogma. Right. You know, these are the, this Anglican guy is going to tell you, Hey, don't trust the Catholics. They, they use beads. They use candles. I don't think it was the Anglicans that were doing that. Cause they're as, they're as voodoo as the Catholics. It was, it was, uh, it was the, 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 the Calvinists. Puritans and the Calvinists. Yeah. In this case, it actually is an Anglican, although maybe he's a very low church uh, type. Uh, William Chillingsworth wrote a whole book about how the Jesuits are, Bonkers. Circa. I think it was called the Jesuits are bon- <laughs> the bonkers of the Je- of the Jesuits. Oh, so this is this is post Reformation, sixteen thirty seven. The, the yeah. Jesuits, sixteen thirty seven. So Aquinas yeah. is writing in the late fifteenth century. By two hundred years later, like people are caricaturing his work as kind of pointless. Um, Aquinas was in the. 11th century, wasn't he, or the 13th century? Yes, sorry. Summa Theologica was not published until the. Uh, 15th century. Oh, so where was uh, Summa Theologica for the intervening 200 years? Yeah, I assume there was no way to uh, print it in a pre-Gutenberg world. It so, was on a bathroom wall somewhere. Well, you know, it's always <clears throat> Aquinas was always used by the Catholic Church as sort of internal internal documents, right? The that was how it's it's a big part of like how they think of becoming a priest. They've got they've Aquinas. got it in they've got it in, in binders, you know, at headquarters. Maybe it just didn't sneak out. Maybe it didn't somebody uh somebody had to get it out into the world at, at some point. It didn't go viral yet. It, in the illuminated manuscript age, would have been harder to Sure, it's very long. Drop that science. Uh so William Chillingsworth, the Anglican is uh you know, it's now, you know, Aquinas has been out in the ether for um over 100 over a century, 150 years or so. And he he mocks the whole uh enterprise of trying to reason about God and the details of, of God's will in such a way. And one of the things he he caricatures Jesuits as saying is arguing about whether a million of angels may not fit upon a needle's point. And it's it's hardly even mockery there. It's it's just kind of like Catholic bashing. Well, it's like the, it's the, like this is a dumb thing to worry about and this is the kind of thing Catholics think about, so you should not be one of them. It's hilarious because this isn't the kind of thing that Jesuits think about. How would you characterize the Jesuit difference? <clears throat> well, the Jesu- I guess, I mean— You went to Gonzaga. I did. The The Jesuits were busy out—you um, know, they were like the sword of the church for a while, and they were trying to to pacify the world and educate the tribes, and, you know, the, they were, the Jesuits were not esotericists sitting, uh, debating, like— like They're more practical. The, yeah, theological uh, juggling bags. And, and they uh, they don't mind worldly wisdom, the Jesuits. They, they know everything, right? They're in it. They're yeah. in the thick of it. 
Um, they got their they got their coach shorts on and the whistle around their neck, and they're going for it. But I could see. But the Jesuits were the big threat at that point in time. Sure, they're the they're the scholarly face of Europe, right? Yeah. Well, and but also they you know the the and conversion. Yeah, that's right, conversion in the in the expanding world, counter reformation. Here's Joseph Glanville in his Vanity of Dogmatizing. You can already tell it's an anti-Catholic work. He that said a thousand might dance on the point of a needle spoke grossly, and we may as well suppose them to have wings as a proper ubi, ubi being the Latin for where. So, you know, sure. they might as well have wings or a location. Like, it's equally dumb to, to picture them with wings or to picture them as standing anywhere. Wait a minute. You're taking the wings off of the angels? Yeah, Stop this, it! That's the that's the Protestants for you. Oh, what am I going to put over my fireplace in my in the, the first apartment I have after college? Maybe not a painting of an angel with wings. Maybe it's because bells hadn't been invented yet. And uh, until a bell rings, angels, they had, they had bells. angels can't get their wings. They had early. The bells are from pretty far back. Is that true? Yeah. As old as puns. We've had we've had bells for a long, long, long time. I've had that bell since I was 10 years old. <laughs> since you had Pitt. Uh, by, the t- by the time of the Enlightenment, sorry to mention it, it's all right. uh, this, this kind of anti-Catholic slur had become a, a, a bit of satire, a, a way to mock uh, old-fashioned religious scholastic thinking and to, and to call it sophistry. Um, because now we were all deists uh, with our feathered wigs and our... Exactly. We all, yeah. We Tall knew, socks. We knew that God worked according to very uh, simple scientific laws that could be seen by observation. There's no need to go into these abstruse details. Um, Benjamin Disraeli's dad, uh, Isaac Disraeli, was a great thinker of this time. And uh, in one of his books, uh, he wrote, he made fun of Aquinas's angel writing. The reader desirous of being merry with Aquinas's angels, and I, I think we all want to be merry about them. You say desirous or desirous? I say desirous because I always say desirous, and no one ever corrects me. But that's because no one uses that word. Well, I think you have you have uh, <laughs> you have definitely asked for it now. Like <laughs> mentioning it on this show is the best way to get pronunciation corrected, right or wrong. Uh, the reader desirous of being merry with Aquinas's angels may find them in Martinus Scriblerus. This is a classic book of anti. Uh, religious satire by all the big names, Jonathan Swift, Alexander Pope. They all wrote under this name of Martinus Scriblerus. In chapter seven, who inquires if angels pass from one extreme to another without going through the middle. This is actually something Aquinas did wonder. Uh If an angel moves, does he pass through all intervening points? And if angels know things more clearly in the morning, that again, Aquinas does consider, are there different uh, types of angelic knowledge and are they associated with different times? Is, is there morning angel knowledge and evening angel knowledge? And then he says, how many angels can dance on the point of a very fine needle without jostling one another? Now that is not found in Aquinas. So he slipped in, and it's not, I don't think it's even found in, in Pope and Swift. So he slipped in a third funnier one under the transom. Not jostling one another. Because he knows it's a new, it's a new, uh, it's a new, it's a kind of a, a joke that goes around about scholastic thinking. And I think he's the first one to say dance. That's yeah, the first that, time. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh, right. We say dance, which is a lot more fun. Yeah. In the olden days, they're just fitting or right. standing or, or, or sitting. Um, Boring 14th century angels. Oh, no, I'm wrong. The Joseph Glanville quote does actually say, uh, you know, you shouldn't speculate about dancing on the point of a needle too. So, that you know, it's a straw man argument. They've taken something Aquinas actually did think about. Do angels have... Corporeality, and then keeping expanding it and making it seem weirder and weirder just so they can laugh at it. Um, today, the trend, I think, is not to th- reduce the scholastics just to sophistry. You know, in fact, uh, you know, their, their thoughts about philosophy informed Descartes and Galileo and a lot of the great scientists and thinkers that came after. Um, you know, we wouldn't have uh, 
even advances in logic and philosophy up until the 1960s, there were refinements being made to classical logic that seemed to come straight from Occam and Duns and all these uh, thinkers. And uh, as well, I think it's very interesting that this is a kind of a question, a kind of a pursuit asking these increasingly detailed questions about something that may or may not even exist until you've built an incredible level of rigor and detail about it. This is the kind of thing that scientists do today in mathematics and theoretical physics. They really drill down into these constructs that may or not may not even exist just to see what the rules would be. Like right. this is how you get string theory and non-Euclidean geometry, asking detailed kind of uh, Aquinasian kinds of questions about not angels, but in our modern ontology, the equivalent of angels, right? These theoretical bodies. Right, because at the at the at the macro level, at the core of it, this is all to argue how many angels can dance on the head of a pin is really just a proxy for arguing about the Eucharist and whether transubstantiation is real. Right? I mean if if Christ's body is made real in the bread and his blood is made real in the wine, you don't need to ask how many angels dance on the head of a pin like you're already you got as much metaphysical critique of of christianity as you need already with the with like the maybe the number one uh the number one right right the the big the big sacrament so the rest of this is just it's just side math on it it may be easily mocked if you don't want to if you don't want to stand in the public square and say uh you know like right <laughs> mass is garbage um, but, but, or baptism, or for baptism, example, like, is right. that, is that symbolic or is there actually some sacramental thing happening in heaven? Uh, would just when somebody gets wet, right? what's, <laughs> what, what's going on there? And, and right. a, a Protestant and a Catholic might diverge on that. And so the, so yeah, it's, it's this academic argument is over here sort of fighting, um, fight, fighting some enlisted soldiers here right. and leaving the officer corps. It's kind of a straw man. It's, it's a straw man it really battle is. as well, because I, it's, I it's a lot easier to knock down. I never use the term straw man because it has become an almost You shouldn't term. use the name of any logical fallacy <laughs> because it immediately, uh, you know, the, 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 the fedoras, the beard on your neck grows three sizes that day. If you do that. Uh, but, but, uh, but, but I'm, I'm intrigued at the idea that this is a precursor to a sort of si- in the, in the methodology, a precursor to a kind of form of scientific uh, method. I spent my whole 10th grade kind of uh, deducing different truths about triangles and angles and, uh, and conic sections and stuff um, just by, you know, deriving them from the things we did three days ago in the same way that Aquinas does. Right. And I mean, a triangle is kind of a, in its purest form, not a triangle shaped thing, not a Dorito, but a triangle. It's a hypothetical construct platonic thing out in the ether not unlike angels right and yet you're just trying to what what can we learn if we get very rigorous about following every argument we can think of about triangles well you get trigonometry right what and eventually and and aquinas thought if you did that about angels you get religion i guess eventually you end up at string theory in both cases (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) and and you're and you're you're forced to uh to read a bunch of people say we cannot possibly believe this but here it is Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. 
Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. So today the line about the pin question is uh, that it's an urban legend that no actual medieval sources uh, ever discussed this. It was a later invention and even a slur or a satire, a form of satire. But in fact, there is one uh, medieval source that mentions uh, this question, uh, but it's not a scholastic one. Really, it's called the Sister Catherine Treatise. It's uh, an anonymous. It's uh, it's not it's not scholastic at all. It's a mystical text. It's a, it's about a vision of heaven, and it's uh, was deemed heretical in some ways because of some of the contents. It's in Middle High German. So it's from, I don't know what that would make it, the 15th century or something. It's a, it's a dialogue between a woman who has had a vision and her priestly confessor. And uh, the confessor is very interested in what she's seen. She's like one of these um, evangelical kids that's had a vision of heaven. And uh, they're going to make one of those movies about it. They show in church basements. So the, the priest is very interested. Uh, and in the Sister Catherine treatise, he says, Tell me, daughter, doctors declare that in heaven, a thousand angels can perch on the point of a needle. Now read me the meaning of this. So what this implies is that this is a thing he's aware of. Yeah. That he he has heard religious scholars speculating on the non-corporeality of angels to the degree that a thousand of them Where did the, so can the, perch on the point of a needle. So do you feel like it might be an example of <clears throat> the, the point of a pin being the smallest point that any medieval person can conceive can imagine, of? Yeah. That this would be something that was generating simultaneously across any any small group of thinkers who are like well let's see if or angels let's let's put let's put the idea of angels to some tests how many angels could fit in a bathtub how many angels and they, and they would just arrive at a pin tip i mean maybe especially if they've all read aquinas and the other kind of same foundational texts where doctors of the church are very worried about the physicality of angels the behavior of angels I mean, maybe it is kind of a thing you would multiple people would arrive on, or maybe it's just a kind of thing that spread through an oral tradition, you know, in a right. pre-Gutenberg world, we just only happen to have this one, this one uh, relic of it. The woman, by the way, answers, the doctors are right. So she has an answer to the question. Okay. We, we now know. Well, because she's had a mystical vision. So yes. are the, are the angels speaking through her at this point or is she interpreting well, what, what well, she knows about that? Well, here's her take. The soul that enters into God owns neither time nor space nor anything nameable. So you leave everything behind. Right. God might make heaven and earth's galore. Yet these together was that a multiple universe? Was that a multiverse theory? There is a multiverse. How many spidey verses are there? We are into the angel verse. Yet these together with the multiplicity of creatures he has already made would be of less extent than a single needle tip compared with the standpoint of a soul atoned in God. So she's using it more in a rhetorical sense to right. be that like, even all though, creation. look how big all creation is, but compared to like the experience I've had with God, it's, it's nothing. It's a speck. Right. But, uh, you know, she's, we're all just in the fingernail of a giant being. All we are is dust in the wind, oh, man. Oh, oh, 
So if we take this as a definitive answer, this is the first time the quote appears, Okay. then she has come back from God with a direct answer. Yes, the doctors are right. You can fit a thousand angels on the head of a pin, no problem. Not only that, but all of everything yes. you know. You can fit the Spideyverse onto the head of a pin. That should be the new, that should be how we express how it today. How many Spideyverses can you put on the head of a pin? All of them. How all, many Spideyverses Spidey can verses. dance on the head of a pin? <laughs> no, wait. How many Spideyverses can dance on the point of a pin? That's even better. We need to get back to the point. Yeah. And that concludes, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Entry 603.RV0511, certificate number 39095, in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all would fit on the head of a pin. All would fit dancing on the tip of a pin. I think that's true. They are insubstantial, placeless places. Our tweets. How many tweets can fit on the head of a pin? All of them. Every tweet and every future tweet. All the all the tweets that never got... All the tweets that were in dra- people's draft folders that got deleted all also would fit on the point of a pin. You know how sometimes people are like, I want to go to a heaven that has all the theoretical books that never got written. I want to mm. go to a heaven that has all the... Tweets that were left in draft folders. I've never heard anyone say that first thing, though. I, oh, wanna... I, I think it's a trope in like uh, fantasy literature, thought experiments. Oh. Uh, I know Neil Gaiman has used it. Like in the in the library of uh, in the library of dreams, you can you can read all the books that I, Dickens I, meant to write. I do believe that Neil Gaiman wants that. <laughs> do you think he might be the only person? <laughs> I mean. Could see him being like, all the theoretical texts that have never been written, step aside. And then he breaks his glasses. (laughs) He breaks his shades. It's so sad. He steps on them. Why is Neil Gaiman like a surfer in your uh, impression of him? Uh, Well, I mean. What if that wasn't? What if you started to listen to him doing book book con tapes? Um, Isn't he a Jehovah's Witness? This all, this all comes together. Neil Gaiman? Or maybe he's a Scientologist. He comes from, uh, his family is of uh, some odd American religion that uh, invaded Britain in reverse. I have I have shaken hands with Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I met him at a thing. Yeah. No, it, it, I, I got it wrong. His family is Scientologist. Scientologist. Not Jehovah's Witness. Okay, never mind. Shh, don't say Scientology on this program. We'll get canceled. Just say Jehovah's Witnesses. We'll get canceled by the Scientologists. Uh, That's okay. Yeah, right. Sure. What are they going to do? Scientology. I mean, David Miscavige. They could throw my spouse in an attic somewhere and leave her for 20 years, I David guess. David Miscavige would fit on the point of a pin. All of Scientology would fit on the point of a pin. Our handles, at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick on Twitter and everywhere else, also... Would fit on the head of a pin. Of a pin. Even the at sign. The point of a pin. Sorry, the point of a pin. Uh, although my Instagram account contains multiverses... It does have corporeality. It's got lots of pictures of antique fire engines and whatnot. It does. Also, though, maybe fit on the point of a pin, get, you know, compared to the glory of God. I guess it, well, the question with Instagram is, will your ego fit on the <laughs> Will one's ego? Maybe. Uh, but we would like to hear your thoughts. Uh, in particular, I would like you to write an email to us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com because Ken is the one that reads the email. So I would love it if you have any any issue with anything I've said today to write Ken about it at theomnibusproject at Please email me and say that John says desirous wrong and I will reply, I know, best Ken. 
I'm finally catching up on the email. I, I was lazy over the summer. Right. And I'm finally digging out. Uh, you can uh, you can enjoy a community of like-minded people if you are someone who enjoys this program by going to um, by going to our Facebook fan group, the Futurelings. How many Futurelings can dance on the head of a pin? You know, we've speculated that the Futurelings may be abstract concepts. They may be uh, emotions or smells or shades of blue. Right. In which case, they could all be on the same pin right now, and we wouldn't even know. Futurelings are the kind. Who will, and I, and I hate to reduce them to a kind. It seems like you're doing one of those sentences where you let your phone tell you the next word. <laughs> Futurelings are the kind who will, and I hate. Uh, who will will follow up on this, uh, on this question, how many Futurelings can dance on the head of a pin? They will have an answer. They will have several answers. They will uh, argue about the answers and the thread will get locked. If you, uh, if you are a Redditor... Are we saying Redditor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you say Editor? Do you say Aliens versus Predator? Editor. I do say Editor. And we are saying Redditor. I have spoken to my Editor. Would you say Redditors? My Editors and Creditors and Redditors. are pouncing like Predators. Redditors. I don't know. It, doesn't, it seems bad either way, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I am uh, I'm sort of... Uh, I, I, I am <clears throat> not above... Teasing Reddit, even though you lurk there, and redditors, I uh, I I do I lurk. You're a I cl- lurk. closet redditor. I lurk on Reddit. Um, there are a couple of Reddits, and uh, and I know that it makes people mad when I get it wrong. Uh, and That's so, okay. They can be mad. Like learning to work through that, I think, will be valuable for them. But I don't want to. I don't want to keep getting it wrong. It seems like you're stalling because you're trying to look at. I, it. I am. <laughs> I am because I. You know uh, what happens? It's like in the old days. We used to know the phone numbers of our friends. Mm-hmm. You could. You could do the muscle memory. You could. You knew how, what pattern your finger made on the square. And now it's just all in a. It's just all a bunch of uh, like uh, things that are already in your computer. Am I right? Yeah, you have to go through a process. You have to dig a well, essentially, every time you need to look up an email address or an ad or a phone number. So here's what I'm finding. On Reddit, r slash, <clears throat> excuse me, r slash futurelings. I know that's one of them. And they're the ones that got mad when you said it wrong. Yeah, there are 456 current members there. Oh, on the head of that Reddit. On the r futurelings. And they get mad at me when I get it wrong. At r omnibus project. There are 106 members, but they appear to be a, a active, although smaller, community. I'm sad about this schism. I feel like they should merge. Wait, there's more. Oh, no. So that's our Omnibus Project. So, uh, so Why our, is half of the outro now about Reddit? <laughs> uh, well, because I need to get this right because they yell at me when I get it wrong. Just let them our know. Futurelings are the big, uh, that's the biggest one. Then there's our Omnibus uh, Project. And then there's our slash omnibus underscore futurelings and that has 218 members that's no that's no nothing that's nothing to sneeze at so we've got right now three reddits operating can they get it together i feel like r slash futurelings is trying to make the play that they're the big wheel here and that the other people need to get on board. Well, it's moderator drama. If you if, if somebody merges their subreddit into the other subreddit, they have lost their fiefdom. Oh. 
They've lost their moderator powers. I don't know. I don't know enough about about the inner workings, but I want every. I want mom and dad to get along. I want, I want everybody to be in one place. Can you make peace, Redditors? I am. An, I'm a, a little bit OCD in that I don't like there to be multiple. Uh, iterations of the same thing when all those things could go into one box. Now, if they're different things, absolutely separate them out. It's why you sit and separate out screws and nuts and, and That's right. pens. Because I want them, I want different things to have their own jar. But you certainly would not have two jars of Vic ballpoint pens. No, it's ball ballpoint pens. Although I could put different colored ballpoint pens. Well, sure. Of the same brand. Perhaps these redditors would argue that they have different colors of discussion. Well, so now this is what I'm in, interested in knowing. Does our futurelings do, I'm ra- rather, I'm not sure how to, uh, what what gra- grammar to use there? Do our futurelings or does our futurelings? I like that they're. It sounds like they're our futurelings. Um, are they talking about omnibus project differently than r slash omnibus underscore futurelings? Justify your existence, all three of you, <laughs> or we will come back there. Or r slash omnibus project. Don't so some, make us turn this car around. Someone do a someone do a, a, a global survey and tell us what we should think or what, what or what things are. No one is listening at this point. So. <laughs> also, we probably should have done the Patreon before the rent. <laughs> oh yes. Also, please uh, contribute to the making of our show. We 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 need to be somewhat specific. We are we are um, we are funded largely at this moment by our Patreon supporters. By the generosity of listeners who want the show to continue, which we, is so sweet. When we left our corporate masters. Uh, we did so in part because the way that the show was being commercialized, the advertisers and so forth, started to feel a little bit outside of our ken. And John. But uh, but we did not, in doing that, abdicate all advertisement. And I, I, I want to make clear that if you support the show on Patreon, we may also have ads. Now, right now there are ads... On our shows that are being aired by us by a separate group of corporate masters that didn't get the memo, but we aspire one day to have good ads on this show that also help keep the show afloat. Anyway, all by way of saying, if you support us, and I hope you do. By the time they, by the time the future links hear this, I think there may actually be. Home, a, homegrown ads returning to Omnibus. a new ad where you and I read it and it is is endorsed by us and not just the some. advertising meadows may once again be green and and again if they come to us and say Ken and John we really want you to do this ad for Marlboro and Michelob who are combining to uh, with on a new product which is like <laughs> what what is that canned it's light beer like, you smoke yeah cigarette beverage <laughs> uh, you know Ken and I will have some will have some input at least in whether or not we want to do that ad. Do you want to do an ad for um, Blackwater, the, some sketchy Middle Eastern security firm? Is there an opportunity for me at some point to become an a, operative? A, a soldier of fortune? Yeah. Because if, if there's a chance that I might be employed as an asset at some point, like sent to Nairobi or to Lebanon to sit in a cafe and drink a cup of coffee and pass a manila envelope to somebody... One hundred percent. All right, that's good to know. Yeah. In fact, we will only run ads <laughs> that increase your chances of becoming an asset or operative. Uh, also, we got a great package in the mail today. Uh, that was. Oh yeah, you can send us physical mail. Yeah, that was full of Hawaiian coffee, macadamia nuts, 
delicious, crispy Hawaiian cookies. It seems to have come from Hawaii. Thank you, Perry. That's from Perry in Hawaii. If you want to send us wonderful things, you can do so at P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Did you actually read the Patreon uh, URL or did you just say? Oh, the Patreon is patreon.com slash omnibus project. If you enjoy uh, this time capsule and you have not yet given of your substance to provide for its future, if you live in a period where uh, there is currency, mm-hmm. uh, please uh, support the show. How many dollars can fit on the head of a Patreon supporting <laughs> omnibus? If you live in a post-scarcity society, replicate us millions of dollars or uh, bitcoins or whatever and send them back through a wormhole. We'll take them. Mm-hmm. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, uh, we have no idea how long our civilization will survive before the angels return and this time lay waste. We hope and pray the catastrophe we fear may never come, but if the angels come soon, this very recording, uh, as I have said about all our previous recordings, could be our final word. But... If providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the omnibus. Mm-hmm.